Well, there is nothing quite like the theme from Chariots of Fire to spice up your 4.30 in the afternoon. You just listened to The Bad Plus doing a cover of the theme from Chariots of Fire. And before that, we listened to the Cinematic Orchestra, and the track was called As the Stars Fall. And before that, it was Kronos Quartet playing a piece by Terry Riley entitled Good Medicine. I want to thank you for listening today. Uh, Living Writers is coming up next at 4.30, I believe. And beyond that, I think I have time for one more track. And so this next one, I think, is uh, it's supposed to be dedicated to Moondog. Um, well, the track is called For Moondog. So um, this is the first movement from a new piece called Each Today is Yesterday's Tomorrow for Moondog by a composer named Franz Nikolai. Once again, you are listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.
afternoon. You're listening to Living Writers. My name is T. Hetzel, and today in the studio, I'm proud to have Justin Quarter here. Welcome, Justin. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's it's great to see you, and 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 Casey Tromer as well. Likewise. <laughs> um, this this uh, this program is actually pre-taped. It's April seventh when I'm speaking with Justin. He's in town to read uh, at Shaman Drum from his his latest novel, his first his debut novel, Skunk: A Love Story. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're in town to read, Justin? That's what I'm in town to do. Because you also have this other book that's just out in right. 2007, right. Uh, The Death of the Poem and Other Paragraphs. Yeah, collection uh, of prose poems. Yeah, that just came out a couple months ago. Real okay, mm-hmm. okay. And then and when was Skunk released? When was when was Skunk? Um, June two thousand and seven. Okay. So really exciting times. Yeah. Two yeah. books and, yeah. and this <laughs> getting stuff published, yeah. Lately. <laughs> 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 well, just to kick off, I'll, I'll read your bio from the back of Skunk, A Love Story. Justin Quarter lives in New York and works for the Natural Resources Defense Council. A collection of his prose poems, The Death of the Poem and Other Paragraphs, is, well, <laughs> is what we've just been talking about. <laughs> and that, that book is from Main Street Rag Publishing, and Skunk is his debut novel, as we just said. Skunk, A Love Story. Um, so... Um, Justin, let's let's talk a little bit about your life. Okay. <laughs> Always a good way to start. <laughs> We've heard about <clears throat> Sam, your dog, and your your South Jersey upbringing after your New York City <clears throat> Very birth. Very traumatic, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the birth, no, the Sam story. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have to go. We don't have to revisit that if you don't. If you don't want. No, to. we can. We can go there. <laughs> We just it's, hope we come back. It does, <laughs> it does seem like South Jersey and your your old dog Sam might have a connection to your your work. Yeah, I think so because uh, the the narrator, um, the protagonist in Skunk, um, has has skunks as pets and uh, and bonds with. And and I grew up in a rural area where there weren't other too many other kids nearby, so you know. Pets, were, uh, having a pet was kind of important, and um, it's it's a similar thing with this main character. He's Damien. really isolated. Yeah, Damien is is really isolated from other people, and and so invests a lot in in his pet skunk and skunks later on in the in the book. Yes, mm-hmm. a profusion of skunks mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely occurs. Um, so, so currently, well, let's let's think a little bit about like your 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 li- writer's life, your writer's history, because um, I know little bits of it, Justin. Right? Like you went to. This is Seattle. what you do before they die. <laughs> <see>. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, let's hope this don't have any serious repercussions. <laughs> Because you do Let's have to read it. it Shaman Drum still. And yeah. <laughs> watch out crossing the road. <laughs> um, but, well, well, you you spent some time in, in Seattle. Um, mm-hmm. And and were you, did you go there as a writer? I'm trying to, I'm trying to piece together pieces of what your, your writing life, like how you carved out, like when did you first know, I'm going to write, I'm going to be a writer, and this is what I'm not going to uh, let go of. Um, I think it was kind of gradual, but um, I, I started out writing poetry, um, and I was lucky enough when I was a freshman in college uh, in South Jersey to have Steve Dunn as a professor for a year, and I had him for a poetry workshop. So I was really serious about poetry and really loved poetry, and um, and fiction seemed like something I 
I just didn't I didn't think I wanted to tackle until until later um and um let's see Seattle yeah when, when I moved to Seattle which was I moved there to go to grad school um at the University the, of Washington yeah for their MFA program which I didn't complete but um that that was when I wrote Skunk there and and I wrote another novel there but um and that was when I was really kind of buckling down um, and getting serious. I had written one novel that was sort of a practice novel, mm. um, you know, because I didn't think I could do it, you know. I, I, because um, of the idea of like, because of it working just seems overwhelming. with poems. Yeah. Yeah, because it, was, it was, had to be so long. And, and I'd heard of John Updike um, writing a practice novel. And so I thought, well, that's a good, then there's no pressure, you know, to, to, I don't have to make it good, you know. I, so right. I just, it was it, right after I graduated from college. And, um, I was staying at my parents' house and working in a Mexican restaurant, and, and um, I would have my mornings free, and I would just get up every morning and drink a gallon of coffee and just bang out, you know, as many pages as I could, and that was how I kind of got through it. And then, so it wasn't until a few years later after that experience had kind of settled, then then I, <clears throat> you know, was was revising more and and felt more confident that I could do something of that length, you know. So yeah, because that was, was your practice novel, and was that like also mm-hmm. sort of? Um, does it share some of the qualities that that Skunk, a love story, does, and that also seem apparent in your 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 poems, your your prose poems as well? That that didn't. No, it was really a typical autobiographical first novel. Um, Coming of age, yeah, with was, Justin Quarter, right, right, and <laughs> and so um, and so so then, and it was kind of good that I I think that I didn't try to. Um, invest too much emotionally in that or anything because I kind of got that out of my system and then and then I decided well I want my first novel to be something really different and and really weird and so I I came up with skunk (laughs) (laughs) and so so you you think oh I want it to be something weird and so but then uh then how how did you stumble upon like you you wanted it to be about obsession and addiction was that something mm-hmm. you knew and then you just sort of just scanned the horizon and a skunk wandered into it um that's a good question I, it, it wasn't when i started out i didn't really know that it was going to be so much about addiction i um sort of um the exercise i'd given myself was to try to write a story that would be um that might be sort of um, grotesque, but at the same time be something that hopefully would be compelling enough that you'd want to keep reading it. So, so you have that kind of experience where it's it's you kind of want to put it down, but you kind of can't, you know. Which, when you say grotesque, you actually mean repulsive rather than fantastic. Is that <clears throat> what you mean when you say grotesque? Yeah, um, yeah a little of both, though, because the, the, the premise is fantastic. I mean, it's about... The story is about a man who gets addicted to skunk musk after he finds that it has mind-altering qualities, and um, which you know skunk musk doesn't. Um, <laughs> I was so, curious. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Um, so let's see. What, oh, so so he well he he finds out he he's has the skunk musk does something a little mm-hmm. something for him and then he right. he kind of goes from there with the skunk obsessed it becomes an addiction yeah then. is that what you were gonna yeah it it has an effect on him that's similar to what an opiate has so um and so he gets seriously addicted to um skunk musk and um which you know the idea of that is just kind of repulsive and yeah also fantastic um and and 
the, the rest of the story is his dealing with the consequences of that addiction. And there isn't actually a, a section where he goes through withdrawal. And of course, it's a real strain on relationships of any kind. He doesn't have <clears throat> many relationships, but he meets a woman he's compatible with. Pearl. Because she, right, Pearl, because <laughs> she has um, a similar addiction. She's she's um, has a fish fetish. So um, you have to say that a few times fast. Yeah. <laughs> it's very olfactory. This uh-huh. <laughs> you're bombarded as you read the book with these. It should be a scratch and sniff next time, Justin. <laughs> right. That's what. Yeah. Casey wanted to get little scratch and sniff stickers we could give out to people when we were at the at AWP the conference. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. not a bad idea. Yeah. We we actually we couldn't find um we couldn't find they used to make them actually I guess and they they. Yeah. Sensation. We, what? What is it? Oh, oh, I see. Sensational. It's hard to. Yeah. Uh, Casey is actually here in the studio, but off mic. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, that makes it a little. We'll, we'll have to. She'll just keep smiling. <laughs> um, and and we'll. Well, anyway. Well, Justin, mm-hmm. let's see. So maybe scratch and sniff another time, or a niche market that you guys might want to investigate as like. I don't know, or maybe I could. I'm always looking for an invention. (laughs) (laughs) But it would be interesting to see, like, the person who would make the scent that approximates the the skunk. Right. You wouldn't think it'd be a big, there'd be a big market for it. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) But maybe it's out there. (laughs) Because you you said in your research, it was when you wrote the book, um, the time frame was maybe pre pre the internet boom yeah. where everybody sort of had the web as an extension for their mm-hmm. research right do you want to speak right, to yeah. that a and little then, and then when um yeah and then since then i've i've gone online and found there are all kinds of um groups people who have skunks and they'll you'll read all these email threads about um you know what to do when your skunk is pregnant and sick and and different things like that and and um i guess what most people do have them as pets is um, they get the skunk gland removed um, when they're pretty young. So, and then, and then, from what I understand, it's kind, it's kind of like having a a ferret as a pet or something. And they're supposed to be fairly good pets. But um, you know, with the narrator of Skunk, the a love story, that's that's not his interest is in the smell. So, <laughs> right. So there's by no means would he ever think of having that removed. No, yeah. No. Um, well, so so it's it so so the skunk was just random or you just you thought that that would be something that would be completely absurd or outlandish yeah so that's why you went towards a skunk right exactly were there any other contenders or was it always once this you thought of the skunk you thought this fits yeah i think that was it there was a kind of eureka moment where i thought that fits because i i was thinking of someone who's sort of um an outsider who's a misanthrope, and this just sort of... Um, it further isolates him, right, doesn't it? Right. Because people don't mm-hmm. like to be around him. At- yeah. And, and he tries to isolate himself. As he, lo- he loses his job basically because he smells so bad and the other people in his office can't stand him. And so he um, decides he's going to start a farm, and he moves off to the Midwest. He he's, starts out on the East Coast. He moves to the Midwest and um, <clears throat> has a farm where he keeps his skunks. But still, of course, they're problems with with other people because it's a small community they find out and he's doing weird things uh, in their community so yeah it's it's a that's that's it's really a, a battle between this guy and society and he can't fit in yeah is it something is it something that you were um 
aware of like a, a, an element of the book that you wanted this commentary about sort of like the the individual versus community in some ways because the the taglines for your book say or not taglines but some of the um the ways to describe it tall tale science fiction um of course a love story which we mm-hmm. have on the on the cover um so yeah but in a way there's like this this definite you know there's the, it seems like there's political notes throughout the book as well mm-hmm um, yeah, and um, let's see, the, the but, first part of your question was... Uh, but yeah. maybe that wasn't... It. You know what, let's take a short break, because I should t- give us a break, and we'll be right back and talk okay. about that, okay. if I can remember what we were talking okay. about. Okay, you're listening to Living Writers, and uh, we'll be right back. How do you slow this thing down? How do you make this thing slow down? We try to Welcome back. If you're just joining us now, today in the studio, Justin Quarter is here with his debut novel, Skunk, A Love Story. Um, Let's see. So, Justin, how about, would you like to read us a little bit of it? And then maybe we'll we'll talk about, or do you want to talk about the political part first? Like whether that was intentional with... Like, maybe I'm trying to read too many mm-hmm. heavy things into it, but it's kind of lends itself to that in a way because of this absurdist, wonderful quality that it has. So you mm-hmm. you're looking for also yeah. um, other meanings. It's it, it sort of um, evolved because Damien was such an outsider and such a misanthrope. But um, yeah, that does become a big thing that the individual against you know not refusing to have anything to do with society and the 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 fact that he smells like skunk immediately sets him apart and then he keeps wanting to get further away too so and then when he start be starts a farm he sort of becomes this sort of insane thoreau you know who um it's like an absurd thoreau who's who has this crazy addiction so yeah 
in the Okay, well, that's so. That's good. I, I, I yeah. It's, I think there's probably a lot of things that there's so many things going on mm-hmm. in the book. So, well, let's hear a little bit of it then, okay. so people can get listeners can have a sense of it themselves too. Okay, um, I'll read from a part very near the beginning where um, Damien has not yet become addicted to skunk musk, but he um, he likes the smell of skunk. Um, and he's just got. It reminds so, him of his mother, right? And, right. And, and, that's sort of the backstory. Yeah. Beer that she uh-huh. drank. <laughs> and, and smell is so connected to memory too. So yeah. So that's that's another th- thing. Uh, another thing it does for him is you know transports him in in his memory as well. So. Because um, it's the most um, the sense that's the most connected directly to the brain without as many filters that it goes through. Right. Yeah, I guess so. so yeah. But but you know, like, haven't you had that experience where you smell something and you just it takes you right back to especially a childhood like, moment, right? Mm-hmm. Where you yeah yeah, and he's he's early in his life he's um, separated from his mother, which is a really traumatic thing for him. He it, he was just being raised by his mother, and his mother was an alcoholic, and he's separated from his mother and sent to a boarding school when he's about eight years old. So um, and, and so the smell of skunk reminds him of his mother, kind of. Which is kind of weird, but you know that's, that's the, kind of what's going on. There. And then there's and and then there's a, his mother also used to wear a terry cloth robe, and then that comes back a little bit later when he meets his his lo, his future love Pearl, right. who, who walks around in the supermarket wearing a bathrobe and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and slippers on the feet. That's a sign of a, a person you can trust <laughs> right. in Damien's world, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, let, let's hear some, Justin, if you okay. don't mind reading for okay, us. Okay, so this is just after he's. Um, gotten his his first pet skunk who he's um given a a little place in the in his backyard and his um pet skunk's name is homer there was very nearly as there was very nearly what one might call a spring in my step on monday morning when i left the house to walk to the commuter train spending the weekend with homer had given my life an exciting new dimension I actually waved at Mrs. Endicott, the annoying old widow who lived next door and owned a high-strung chihuahua called tessa Mrs. Endicott was retrieving the newspaper from her front yard, and Tessa stood at her side, yapping at me like a battery-operated toy. Mrs. Endicott liked to talk to me practically whenever I stepped outside, providing me with updates on her children, her grandchildren, her rheumatism, and other dull topics. She also badgered me with questions. She asked me who my girlfriend was, when I intended to get married, and so forth. Hey, Damien, she said that morning, waving me over to her. I was embarrassed for her because she was standing there in the middle of her yard in a flower print house coat with pink curlers decorating her head. I walked over. What's going on in your yard there? she asked. Her face was wrinkled like a used paper bag and her sagging cheeks quivered when she spoke. Tessa continued her yapping throughout our conversation. Nothing's going on, Mrs. Endicott, I said. You've got a dog now, don't you? A little puppy? That's good. Companionship is good. I'm always saying to Noah, my nephew, you ought to get a nice dog, I says. You need a friend. Living all alone like that makes you crazy. But you, here Mrs. Endicott jabbed me in the chest with a bony finger and smiled. You got a good head on your shoulders. I always said you did. Now all you need is a good woman to take care of you. I began turning away. I detest being poked or prodded physically or psychologically. Crazy indeed. Mrs. Endicott had told me that she herself had lived alone for the past ten years. Thank you, Mrs. Endicott. I think I'll be on my way. She grabbed my arm and held me there. The only thing is, Damien, 
You got to clean up after a dog. I can smell it over in my yard. Wait. She pulled me a little closer and sniffed deeply. This caused the most disagreeable racket. Snot burbled in her nose and phlegm rattled in her throat. I doubted she'd be able to smell the smoke if she were sitting on a burning sofa. I'm a little stuffed up, she said. I, but I can even smell it on you now. It's not good. You take him on walks or train him to go in the far corner of the yard, okay? She smiled, peering with her cataract clouded eyes into my bespectacled ones for a moment, then released my arm. Run along now. You'll be wait late for work, she said. Thank you. Sure. Thanks. <laughs> it's nice to see the Mrs. Endicott because she becomes kind of pivotal. What she does causes a, a right. lunge forward in the, the plot of Damien's life. Mm -hmm. later. Yeah. And that's his sort of first um, confrontation after he's gotten a skunk and and decided, you know, he's you know going in this direction. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> and what a direction it is. <laughs> well, I was reading um, online, there was a, an interview that you, you did on Sunday Salon. And mm -hmm. um, in that, you said that Skunk had st started as a, a short story mm -hmm. so earlier on. And, and you've told us um, earlier that it was uh, while you were in Seattle, when you were, you were writing, um, you were producing quite a lot in your time there. Mm -hmm. Was that when it was, so it, it started as a short story and that's when you, you thought, now this is one that I could take further because you also said there was, yeah, like you felt like, oh, a novel. That's right. Well, well that was, yeah. And, but I was, so that was, a few years after I had written the the first one, and so I um, I was itching to do a novel again, and um, and um, the the concept you know was seemed a little bit of a gimmick that you that would work in a short story maybe and maybe would not um, lend itself to a novel necessarily. Be why why is that? Um, because when I first thought of it, it was mainly just this concept of someone being addicted to a substance that is not really in reality an addictive substance. But then once um, I started developing the character and, and the other characters, Damien's love interest, Pearl, um, and some of the, the other um, characters started to appear who he was having confrontations with, it seemed like it could definitely be something longer. So I had to kind of go back and kind of restructure it and start it in a different place um, so that, you know, it would it would have that arc, you know, and not feel like a short story that ended and then all of a sudden got longer again or, or something. Um, yeah, so, but yeah, the, the original concept was a short story. And, and then you go, you go back in and you see places where you can kind of, it naturally wants to go, because it cause almost seems like you had several stories going at that time, and this is the one that, you felt intrigued mm -hmm. you the yeah. most so you could yeah you know. and it was mainly the characters that uh, that I that I kind of um um invented around this concept and and so I wanted to keep continuing with you know you know how it snowballs you you kind of you know more ideas and and um possible uh, scenes occur to you as as you're going and yeah and so I I just decided to go for it it's um which this reminds me of something that I read. Publishers Weekly said um, that Quarter takes his time with Damien's story, illuminating the many varieties of obsession and its strangest consequences. And I thought that was kind of interesting, like that that phrase, um, uh, you know, takes his time 
with yeah. Damien's story. Yeah, I don't know if what that, that was mean? if that was good <laughs> or bad. <laughs> Takes his time, like he's dawdling along, not really getting to the point. Or <laughs> <laughs> whistling, whistling, <laughs> going fishing, <laughs> um, out trapping. I, I like to think that that they meant something positive by that. Yeah, that it, it was that it was um, a careful and considerate approach to these addictions that people have in the book. So right, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and by my bringing it up, that's what I thought it meant okay. too. Justin. <laughs> I just, it was curious to me because I was like, that's stuck out. Like the quarter takes his time with Damien's story. Because mm-hmm. I thought it is true. But then I thought, I wonder um, what they're, um, what they're comparing it to with other novels that they're reading. Maybe they just thought, we'll just, I'll say something really ambiguous here so that when he's being interviewed on radio shows and stuff, uh, they'll wonder what the hell is going on. Exactly. Read it for yourself and find out. Yeah. I know some of these, though, you think um, some of the, the blurbs that people write, you're like, did they read the book? It's their job, too. Did they read it? Yeah. Well, anyway, mm-hmm. but yours, it's really, really great. And I love, I, um, maybe we can talk about, let's see, because you've got Brian Evanson on. Yep here is one of is he one of he's he's really a great guy and uh, a really great writer and uh that was nice of him that yeah my publisher contacted he and i were in um together in an anthology of short fiction that that this same publisher Omnidon Omnidon put Press? Out. okay yeah and we did a reading together once in new york and um yeah so they they contacted him about a blurb and he gave me this really nice enthusiastic blurb it was great yeah Thoreau meets Timothy Leary in this outrageous and cautionary tale of what happens when two olfactory obsessions collide an audacious debut mm-hmm. very nice <laughs> and so so you never you, you you were just you were colleagues in the book sense like where you were yeah. next to each other in a book but never because I wondered if you had worked with him directly because no. he's known for experimental right, writing yeah. mm-hmm. and but um, no, I haven't. You mean like um, been in a workshop with him or anything? No. Or yeah, no. Long, or long, long talks over coffee. No, no, <laughs> I, I don't. No, I don't know him that well, but I, I hopefully he's, he's someone you know will be in touch. And yeah. Yeah, cause, yeah. It's it just seems like I and, and I actually don't know who Laird Hunt is, but I, everyone I love. He's like the, he's really great too. He is, his yeah. his um, latest book is called The Exquisite. And it's oh, nice it's title. really it's really exquisite. <laughs> no, but it's a sort of um, surreal post nine eleven story that is really beautifully written. Yeah. So so there's these qualities that it seems like the, this is good company um, to be in because oh, sure. of your mm-hmm. your your interest in the surreal that you bring to your work too. Mm-hmm. Right, like that. Like I, I like your Aardvark poem as well. Oh, in your, in your <laughs> in the, the death, death of, of the poem, poem and other mm-hmm. paragraphs. Uh-huh. When it that, let people know that that book's out there too. Since we're, <laughs> yeah, skunk, a love story. Well, um, let's take a short break, Justin. Okay. You're you're listening to Living Writers. I'm T Hetzel, and today on the program, Justin Quarter. We'll be right back. Things are not what they appear 
Welcome back. Uh, you're listening to Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel, and today, Justin Quarter in studio. Um, we're talking, we've been talking about his his debut novel, Skunk, A Love Story, out by Omnidon Press. Um, and also, The Death of the Poem and Other Paragraphs by Main Street Rags, a poetry series, which is great. Mm-hmm. And great, great looking books too, Justin. Thanks. I must yeah. congratulate yeah, you I on the look of them. Yeah, I think both publishers did a good job with the covers, definitely. Yeah, it's really, it's great. And um, okay, so and you also have, um, I went to your website today earlier, and I love that um, like one of the first things you see is sometimes love is supposed to stink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure who came up with that catchphrase. I think I, my publisher or someone they were in touch with did. Casey did. Maybe Casey did. <laughs> well, there we but have yeah, it. Finally, credit, credit. Yeah. Is, now it's credit is is aptly given. <laughs> what? Okay, sorry. Casey Tromer came up with that. Sometimes so. love is supposed to stink. <laughs> Skunk a love story. Very good. Um, and so, what what is the website, Justin? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, if you go there, all kinds of wonderful things happen, and your life gets better, and um, you win lots of money in the lottery. No, no. Um, <laughs> Um, we sound like a leprechaun. <laughs> Are you related? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> well, I, on my website, I have um, interviews, and um, you can buy books through my website that um, you know I'll sign for you and send to you. And, and so it's, it's your name. It's justincorder.com, right. isn't it? So mm-hmm. justincorder.com. Yep, that's it. Justincorder.com. <laughs> and sometimes love is supposed to stink so don't get down um it's just as it ought to be all right um so i had actually a question that i wanted to go back to briefly why did you leave the mfa program in washington like what and i was expelled no (laughs) (laughs) i um (laughs) i just uh I, i wasn't getting much out of it i felt like i was putting a lot into it and um and uh, I, I don't know exactly what I was expecting to get, but I, I, I was, I just was the, I wasn't getting a lot out of the workshops or, or anything. So it sounded it, like you it were producing do... a lot, but you thought, oh, I yeah. can do it on my own as well. Yeah, basically, I, I didn't feel like I was getting a lot out of the workshops, um, and it just happened to be those particular workshops. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not against workshops in general. I think they're good, <laughs> but um, yeah, th- that program and it just wasn't working for me. So, um, but, yeah. but so, so you sort of, you made the decision to leave and, and then, um, got a day job that seemed to work well, right? Is that, well, is that what happened? Is you just, you well, got... like, uh, yeah, well, I, I had a day job, uh, I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was pumping coffee in a coffee shop. <laughs> was that in Seattle or was that in back Seattle, in New York yeah. city? Okay. And then, um, and, and so I lived in Seattle for a few years and then, um, and then moved sort of gradually back to the East Coast and to New York with a pit stop for a couple of years in Ohio. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, you, so you do have, you've got your own experience of the, the mythic Midwest then. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's why some of the, the stories are, are t- yeah, taking place in the Midwest as well. Yeah, well, the, well, the Midwest has always kind of been um, something 
interesting to me for some reason. I don't know why. Like I think of it as being this sort of land of possibility, like um, where you can go and sort of reinvent yourself. And I don't know if that's really true, but it, it's just how I imagined it. I guess growing up on the East Coast. Well, maybe because there's more space in the Midwest. Yeah, like this yeah, idea of space uh-huh. that you don't have to be exactly. So, so mm-hmm. proud. Well, um, well, let's talk a little bit about, because we've talked about Skunk, a love story and heard a, a bit of it. Um, so Death of the Poem and Other Paragraphs, you've got this another great um, uh, person uh, who's read your book and really loved it, David Kirby. Um, so, and, and he's a poet that's known for his his humor. And, and you just had some good news from him. Yeah. Um, David Kirby is just, I, I love his work. He's hilarious. And... Um, he wrote me this nice blurb for um, my collection, and, and have um, you worked with him, Justin? Is no, that something, or just just no, liked his work? And... I just liked his work, and and I actually contacted him, um, asking apologetically if uh, you know he would consider writing a blurb, and he gave me this really nice blurb, and um, and then also recently I heard from him, and he selected a couple pieces from this collection to appear in an anthology that he's putting together with Barbara Hamby, his wife, and also a poet. Um, that's called seriously funny and i guess it'll be out in a year or so um so that was nice too so yeah that's that he's been really great would you like to read one of the poems sure. for us justin so people can get <clears throat> did you did you want me to read the whatever well actually i well i liked i like the aardvark but i i you know i'd be happy to hear any of them which do you want to read one of the ones that was chosen for the anthology or okay yeah that'd be good um Let's see. Now I'm trying to remember which ones those were. Uh, oh, I think okay. it was. Was it? Well, maybe. Well, well, let's see. Well, why don't we talk? What? Well, can you? Why don't we talk a little bit about Omnidon Press? Because that's mm-hmm. that's your press for Skunk, a love story. I, I'm kind of hopscotching back and forth between your two books. Um, it's kind of interesting. It has a green initiative for that. Was that a reason you decided to go with Omnidon, or was that? Or was it because you were in the earlier anthology about fabulous and new um, fabulous right. fiction? Right. They, they they were um, advertising for submissions um, for for their anthology of new wave fabulous writers. Which what does is that something... even like? What does that mean? Can you well? <laughs> <laughs> um, generally, the it means that it has a kind of fable quality and mixes elements of science fiction possibly in it. Um, but it's sort of um, it, it's uh, just sort of a renaming of a of a genre that kind of exists, but does doesn't really isn't one of the ones that you see a section for in the bookstores. Maybe you know stuff that's not exactly science fiction, um, but not exactly what is called literary fiction all the time. So somewhere in between there. Oh, okay. okay. So okay, then. so they they um they were putting together that anthology and um. They took one of my pieces and they, um, and they they were also looking for novels and I sent them you know a sample from from Skunk and they asked to see the whole thing and then they wanted to publish it and they they've been a poetry press um, since two thousand one right um, and and they've just put out a, a couple novels so I'm one of their first novels 
So yeah, so it's exciting, and, it, and it's kind of fun um, seeing how how they're going about things, and um, because it's like watching this this new business get started up, and I'm sort of a partner in it. <laughs> well, because it sounds like from their mission statement that they really welcome all of your input. Like they say, the the, the author is is having. Um, uh, kind of a say all the way through. Sure, and um, and Ken Keegan, the the publisher and and editor of, of Skunk, he had a lot of input on the novel and had me do a, um, a lot of revision. Um, and and I trusted him because he knew the novel so well and um and really believed in it that I was willing to listen to his suggestions and, and incorporate a lot of the things he wanted to do that that. Would, wouldn't have occurred to me, first of all. And second of all, I would have rejected, I think, if they came from somebody who wasn't so obviously, you know, really in love with the book. Would that be, because I, I had read that you credited him with Ceylon. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, uh, which is Pearl's scientific breakthrough invention. Right. 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 It's this, it's this, um, this leafy green plant that's sort of a seaweed that grows on the surface of the ocean that can be used as a fuel and is also going to reduce global warming um, and can clean up oil spills. It's sort of this, it, yeah. So <laughs> this, listeners, don't get excited. This is only a figment <laughs> of Justin's imagination. Sadly, at this point, as far as we know. <laughs> um, but but so so is that one of the ideas that you might have not been like you might have been resistant to, but since he suggested it, you were like, oh yeah, I can see yeah. how that would in, in the way it, work. it kind of it was um, it was mainly his idea, but it was it was kind of a, a Frankenstein that we kind of put together with different ideas that we were kicking around. So 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 yeah, and it, and it, so it, so it. It, it came together kind of organically. Is this something like the relationship then that you have with um, Omnidon and Keegan? Would this be something that you'd want to publish your next book with them? Because it's, um, would it be that sort of relationship, Justin? Is that possibly um, nothing? Nothing. I have other um, novels that I haven't published yet, but um, none of them exactly fit with what he's looking for. He's pretty serious and committed to. Um, putting out things that fall into the new wave fabulous genre which um my, my other work doesn't as much i see okay but it's just interesting to hear like having that that trust seems like it might be a, a rare thing to yeah. come across in a in an editor yeah and i'm really thankful for it and and i am um they're they're doing um a second anthology that I'm contributing to, and and Ken and I are are working on revising a story for that too. So, yeah. So that so relationship hopefully will keep going for a while. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well. Um. Well, Justin, let's take a short break. Mm-hmm. Um. You're listening to Living Writers on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. We'll be right back. Best friend, folks can't comprehend. 
Listening to Living Writers, I'm T. Hetzel, and today in the studio, Justin Quarter. And now for a poem. Yes, now for a poem. Um, and this is T.'s favorite piece in the collection, The Death of the Poem and Other Paragraphs. And it's called The Hoity Toity Artvark. He is such a hoity toity artvark, I have to say. Puts on his tux, plays his trombone all afternoon for the bibliographer in the lobby of his palace on Madison Avenue. The other obediently puffs away on his calabash pipe, keeping time by tapping a kumquat and occasionally feigning a swoon. I ordinarily find such atrocious scenes most charming, but really, things have gotten quite foreign. That aardvark fancies he's a debonair kangaroo. One can tell by the marsupial fastidiousness with which he stows the dough and the jewels in his heavily pocketed safari outfit. I saw him hopping about at a gallery opening, playing the kazoo, pressing the flesh with his paw, sipping mojitos, and pissing on the paintings whenever he felt moved. Everyone approves. That's the capper. They clap when he belches and cheer when he breaks wind. His life is an an unsustainable awards ceremony that begins with an excess of bunt cakes and would probably be considered sinful were he not so (laughs) hoity-toity. Thank you. (laughs) It's not every day you get to hear hoity-toity, let alone attributed to an aardvark. I like to spend time thinking about what kind of sounds aardvarks make, too. So I loved seeing that. I don't know. I like to spend time doing that (laughs) in my spare time. It's good to have hobbies. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. perhaps I should get some by the sounds of it, right? (laughs) Well, um, okay, so... So we just had this aardvark that's at like the the, the, the galleries and, and and breaking wind and whatnot. And so so this and this is a quality like this is again like this like surreal or absurd mm-hmm. quality. And so Justin, what does this? What do What's you? What's the matter with you? <laughs> <laughs> you? You've got my number. I don't know. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Yeah. What's up? No. No. Um, uh, well, no, actually, just but what? What does the absurd or these surreal moments that you're creating, or situations, or or obsessions, addictions, like what does this allow you to do with the writing and to say? Like, why is this a a way to work? Um, I, I think um, it's just sort of how I react to things um, more more than than it's. And I guess, yeah, and I guess it's a way that I find um, works for me because um, it's interesting to me as I'm writing it or or I get fascinated by an idea and then want to explore it, you know, and and I think sometimes, especially if I'm um, frustrated with the world or whatever, I have an an absurdist kind of reaction to it. to to situations that might be frustrating or, or make me angry and 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 that's sort of how I respond. Yeah, ju- just because it's absurd doesn't mean it's funny still. No, not always. Right? No. <laughs> and so I My life is absurd and it's not that funny right now. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> Um, but it seems to be going well. I mean, well, we honestly, like you've got the, the two books out. And what, what's, mm-hmm. what projects are you working on right now? Because it seems like you, you, you work as a grant writer um, uh, for yeah. the nature, Natural Resource 
Natural Resources Defense Council. Yeah, which is which a, a great crusader. organization. Yes. Yeah. So I'm a crusader, among other things, for the environment. Um, and that's, that's yeah, that I really love the organization, so I like working there. And um, as far as what I'm doing um, right now, I'm polishing, finishing polishing up a... Um, a, a new novel um that's that's a thriller and um and so that's that's that that's what i'm working on um okay so so you're so you're working so you work you're working as a writer as a grant writer mm-hmm. right and and um raising funds for the right. the council and um but you also it seems like you're producing a lot as well always with writing so are you uh, do you write like every day justin and and 